Well, well, welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to American Graffiti, one song time. I'm your DJ this week, Tierney Steele. We're going to be bringing you five great guests, five great songs. And when last we left the movie, our intrepid leads were cruising G Street. And today they're going to do that some more, but to a different song. (laughs) Before I introduce our guest, I have a correction to make, but I don't know that I have a correction to make. Dear listeners, you may remember that last week... Doris and Rachel were here with me, and we were all having a great time. Terry the Toad wasn't having as great a time. He's singing along. It was great. A girl shouts over to him. He looks at her and is mooned by the backseat passenger. (laughs) Now, when we were discussing this, Doris said, a car full of girls. And I thought, well, gee whiz, that doesn't really track because in the script... It's kind of a little bit more than I needed to know description that makes it very clear that it's a man. It is a classic BA complete with pressed ham. A guy has dropped his trousers. So the script definitely calls for a male. But when I was watching this scene with Doris and Rachel, I said, well, that that looks like a guy. I, I believe it. That's fine. And we discussed girls cruising and mooning and all that fun stuff. And then... Folks, today I went on a deep dive of the Internet Movie Database cast listing for this film. And do you know who I found uncredited? Mooner Ken Martinez. (laughs) I'm very glad that no one saw me going over and over again back and to the left (laughs) to try and tell if this was Ken Martinez or if they had used a different take and that was just a little bit of trivia floating around or what. It could be Ken Martinez. I feel like I should give credit where it is due. But also, uh, I've just been looking at butts a lot. So I'd really like to move on. Just as Terry the Toad does, I will move on. Then I will introduce today's wonderful guest here to talk with us on episode six, Chris Henry. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. My first solo day here in the booth, so I'm very glad to have a friend. That's awesome. You're riding solo in the 32 coupe here, huh? (laughs) (laughs) We've we've podcasted together a few times, but why don't you tell people kind of where you're from in the grand scheme of Movies by Minutes? Absolutely. So Movies by Minutes, I guess the the one that I've done the most, uh, I was the every episode host with Jim O'Kane on the Apollo 13 Minute. And then I've been a guest on different shows uh, like the MASH Minute, uh, the Airport Minute, the Rocketeer Minute. I was on another one with you. What was I on with you? Which Close one? Encounters. Close Encounters. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I've uh, I've really enjoyed these. These are really fun. I'm I'm so geeked out to do this one, and I, and I'll this show will just explain why as we talk. <laughs> I was just gonna say, why don't you tell them your day job so they understand? But and then we'll talk about something completely different because usually. <laughs> Usually when I'm podcasting with you, we're talking planes. We're talking yeah. aircraft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. My everyday job is I'm the uh, the museum programs coordinator at the EAA Aviation Museum here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So we're the home of the world's largest air show. And the rest of the year, we have a wonderful museum with around 200 airplanes on display in it. Yeah, so this is completely different. No no air. Well, actually, there's one airplane in the whole movie, I believe. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is. There yeah, is. I'm yeah. so sorry I didn't think to put you on that minute. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'd rather talk about this. This minute is, <laughs> I'm so geeked out that you chose this minute for me. So, Oh my goodness. So, And we keep, for those just tuning in, we keep referring to minute. Actually, this is episode six, which covers the song, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? We'll talk about that. But we are used to covering one minute of screen time per episode. This show covers one song per episode. I just felt like being a little bit weird, I guess, this summer. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So what happens in this episode is the blonde and the T-bird and picking up Judy's sister. So (laughs) it's a lot. It's very important. But I, I will start with an awfulness, an awful feeling, the worst feeling. And it's a sister, which is even worse, which is being the person driving around with a couple. Oh, man. Yeah, that that is rough. I've done it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the old third wheel and uh, not a, not a oh, gosh, not a good time. <laughs> His reactions in a couple of these different scenes or different shots are right on where you can tell he feels like he's just. Oh, uh, he's that guy. He's just hanging out in the back seat by himself, you know, and uh oh, yeah, that's a bad feeling. I got to tell you, I love this movie so much because uh and why I'm so geeked out for for this. Uh and for this scene especially is because I grew up in Pittsburgh and actually just north of Pittsburgh. Uh it I was about 15 minutes north of Pittsburgh and it's getting close to a town called Beaver Falls. If anybody's listening from that area, Awesome. And, and they will connect with this right away. But my group of buddies, we had old cars. We all, everybody had a hot rod or some, some old car or, or a car that you tuned on and you were proud of. And we all would cruise this. And, and I'm like, I don't think I'm old. I'm 40. I mean, so this was, you know, I mean, this was uh, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, it's still there. There's a place called Jerry's Curb Service. And it's literally like a 1950s drive-in that you eat in your car and you pull up and they put the tray on the window and everything. And this is, but, but cruising was still a thing. Or, or we like to thank our group of friends that we brought it back. And we made it cool again in that town. And uh, I can tell you right now, I've had dates from girls that I met just by cruising. I mean, that was how you, that was how you met people. I mean, that was, this is kind of pre-internet or not everybody had the internet at this point yet. You know, more, I would say more people didn't have, um, you know, the internet when we were doing this. You know, you're, you're six, you're 16, you're, you're, the car's a little bit of freedom for you. I, I recently was fighting with someone who was like, oh, there was the internet in 1991. And I was like, not well, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It it may have existed, but but we normal people didn't have it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I remember my friend in 1998 got it, and that was like a big deal. It's like I know somebody at the internet can go to their house and use it, and you know, I would just go and look at stupid airplane pictures or something, but. <laughs> But I remember, like, I don't know if you remember, like, you had to, like, if somebody wanted to make a phone call, they had to, like, you had to disconnect. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it was awful. And yeah, much more fun to just look over and see someone in the next car. It absolutely is. In the car, and I still feel this way, I'm romantic about machines like cars and airplanes. The car in America, I mean, the all-American road trip, like, there's just something that says freedom about cars. And uh, I just, I just love it. And this scene is just phenomenal. I mean, the, the white Thunderbird, I think anybody that goes to a car show and sees a white 57 T-Bird <laughs> immediately thinks of Susan Summers looking over her shoulder at you in this thing. I mean, I just oh. I just love it. I love all the stories of on the set, the owner of this car was just basically freaking out. She, she jokes, she's <laughs> like, I mean, he's 
just out of camera frame. <laughs> if he could have kept one hand on the car the entire time, that would have been his preferred mode. <laughs> and Susie Ann Summers talks about how ridiculous she kind of felt he was being like, on the one hand, this obviously is pride and joy, but this was an automatic and she drove a stick in her everyday life, like a <laughs> crummy stick, you know, st- jerking her. And she was like, this was a dream. It was so easy. And all I had to do was like, go forward, turn right. Like it was not going to be an issue, but this owner was just peeing his pants every time George Lucas called action. Well, and, it, and it's so weird because the, the car, I mean, really, I mean, the car is beautiful. I mean, but the car was only like, what, like 15 years old at that point. So it's not like it was like a 50 or 60 year old car. Like it was a 15 year old car. I mean, think about, you know, uh, driving a car from 2005, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, that's just interesting that 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 car was that crazy for that guy. He, it was his love. <laughs> it was <laughs> his, yeah. His yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. It, that's, uh, that's wild. But I can tell you that that. That scene, I mean, it became iconic, not just in the movie world, but in the car culture world. Like, you see a white T-Bird, Susan Summers, American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. That's that's the first thing you're thinking about. And there's an infamous story. I don't know how infamous it is. I shouldn't have said that. Sh- this scene is infamous. <laughs> um, I love Suzanne Summers describing going out for this job, going for this audition, because she thought there was no way it was happening. <laughs> she said she walked into a room. And there were 200 blondes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She went in with Lucas. All the all the interviews Lucas did were like five minutes long. He asked her if she could drive. And that was it. That was the interview with Lucas, <laughs> the audition. Can wow. you drive? Okay. Looked at her, made a note. She said when she got home, again, pre-internet, and this is truly pre-internet, her phone was ringing when she got home from the studio. Wow. Like, all right, you're in. <laughs> oh, that is too cool. That is too cool. I, it, you know, it's so funny because I think uh, I look at this movie and I can see different characters in this film as characters when I grew up in, in my time frame. Like, like my buddy Chris Caster is totally Jeff Milner. You know, Chris had the baddest Trans Am around. He was the hot rodder. And, you know, he wore, I mean, he literally probably dressed like Jeff Milner. I don't know if that was on purpose or what. So. John Milner. <laughs> John Milner. Why do I keep... <laughs> So funny story. I worked with a Jeff Milner. That's why I keep saying oh. that. So yes, sorry, John Milner. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my my buddy Chris. I don't know if he was like an idol to him or what, but uh, John Milner was definitely uh, a heavily influenced in our group of friends. So yeah, that's just fantastic. <laughs> I, I I hope it isn't too awkward when the last ten minutes of this episode is just me gushing about how cute he is. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Right now, we're focused on the blonde beauty. Oh, and I forgot to mention the absolute beautiful nonsense that is this phone call to Pinky's Pizza. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> With the secret agent spy scope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that, like, the pizza guy doesn't even, like, understand him at first and is like, No. What? What did you say? You know, and he has to like, repeat the gag. And then it's like, <laughs> What? Is- that, that always makes it funny, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wonder, and I'm just throwing this out there, I don't know. I wonder if those are actual recordings from when he was like literally on, like really on the yeah. air. So I can say, I don't know which one, because Lucas said when they got Wolfman Jack that 90, he would estimate 90% of the phone calls and the on air stuff 
was real. Wow. But he did do some original stuff. And I'm like, I, and the way it was worded made it sound like, and not like the actual scenes he's in, you know, that maybe he recorded a few things where it's like, okay, we need something about this long, you know, (laughs) we need something to bridge the scene. So I I don't know which are which, but yeah, this seems (laughs) the way he says, I think you got the wrong number partner. (laughs) That's, That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. He's not, the pizza man is not confrontational, <laughs> but he's also not entertaining. Not, he's not having, he's got pizza to make. <laughs> so he's like, come on. <laughs> oh my God. Here's a recommendation. Check out the book, uh, Secret Pizza Party. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading that quite a bit lately. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I mean, I don't have the same heart speeding up reaction to Suzanne Summers that I know I'm sure many of our listeners do, but every inflection, every sentence that Kurt says after yeah. seeing her is so perfectly delivered. <laughs> so I can I can tell you now, and I hope this is okay, and if it's not, we can delete it. <laughs> so <laughs> I can tell you right now, I was by the Northern Light Shopping Center just outside of Pittsburgh. And with some friends, and this exact thing happened. She wasn't in Summers. She wasn't a white T-bird. But a a, a girl made a, a a connection with me at a red light. And we literally spent part of that night trying to find that car again. We did not. <laughs> but uh, there's just... I, I get it. Like, when I see that scene, I'm immediately back to the Northern Light Shopping Center. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that is so amazing. And there's just... There is. There's something unknown and exciting. Again, internet wasn't a big thing. You couldn't just, like, meet somebody and find them on Facebook real quick. So, like, you had to, like, go hunt this person down if you're going to see the game. You had to hope you saw them in the mall or something, you know. There there really wasn't a, oh, I'll find them later. <laughs> you had to hope you found yep. find that white T-bird again. And I, I dig his excitement. Like, I totally, <laughs> you know, you're geeked out. You're like, maybe this is a future girlfriend. Maybe this is someone I could spend the rest of my life with. You don't know. It's that exciting, like, I... I just made this connection with this person and maybe there's something cool there. And I love it. I, I totally dig him getting fired up about it. I just saw a vision. I saw a goddess. Yeah. And <laughs> my absolute favorite is he does his whole speech where he goes, will you turn the corner? Yeah. yeah I love that. <laughs> we, we turn in the corner. <laughs> that, that's a fantastic line. It's beautifully done. And the other thing that I picked up recently that I adore because again, it feels very, very real for friends in this situation is that when he says, I think she said, I love you. Yeah. Steve turns and glares at him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is like, no, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Somebody wants me. Somebody out there wants me. <laughs> like, no. Will you turn the corner? <laughs> yeah. That's so great. That's, uh, those are true friends right there. I, I think that, <laughs> that will you turn the corner? Like, that is a, like, we're, you know, they're almost like brothers. They can kind yeah. of talk to each other like that. <laughs> you know, that's great. And that's. <laughs> Fantastic. I always wondered one thing in the movie, and, and, I'll, and I'll call it out now, but it was like, if they were going to cruise this big night, right? This is supposed to be like one of their last big cruises. Like, why did you give your car away at the beginning of the movie? Like, <laughs> you could have been cruising your cool Impala this whole time, and, and instead you're kind of in this, like, blue four-door. <laughs> like, I never... The Edsel. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I never understood why you didn't, like, hey, at the end of the night, Frog, you could have my car or whatever. But uh, that was, I was like, wait, why are you... 
Uh, I would have done that different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because Lori could have parked and just left her car. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I remember we had, so we were never into like fixing up hot rods or anything like that. But we had the big main street and you would kind of end up cruising more by default. Like there wasn't any drive in place like what you were describing. Yeah. But there were there were so many diners and each one has its own wonderfulness. <laughs> its own special place <laughs> in my heart. Yep. And what you would do is you would drive up and down the post road looking in the parking lots until you recognized a friend's car. And then you'd go park next to them and hang out for a while. That's and then awesome. You'd like do the same thing again. And then also school parking lots. I feel like a large chunk of my older childhood, but still like still a child, but older childhood was spent in like school parking lots at 11 p.m. (laughs) Yes. High schools, elementary schools, didn't matter. Parks, you know, park parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, you're you're right. You're, you know, I never thought about that. You're right. There's a large amount of my time. Uh, spent in parking lots <laughs> at night. <That's, laughs> so. Did you see the movie Lady Bird? No, I, I don't think I've seen that yet. No, no. Okay. I did not go to Catholic school, but the timing is right and it is my <laughs> life. And at one point, the, she's hanging out with the cool kids and they go to a parking lot and they hang out. And she's like, so where are we going? They're like, this is it. And she's like, this is <laughs> yeah, it's a parking this lot. This is it? <laughs> <laughs> we just hang out next to your car in a parking lot? I'm like, yep, sounds right. <laughs> That is so, you know, we would get on a Jerry's and I really hope somebody's listening from the area that would be like, heck yeah, Jerry's. But like, so we would all back in because you had to back in. You had to be cool. You had to back Mm. the car in. Oh, that's what that's for on the driver's test. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You had to back into the parking spot and then you'd get out. Even though they would come and hook their the tray onto the window, but we would all hang out behind our cars, like so that you can hang out and chat. Because otherwise, I mean, you couldn't talk. You couldn't talk across a few cars. And, uh. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, and what I loved is inside this place, they've remodeled it since, but inside this place, they had photos like all over the place. Uh, you couldn't eat inside, but there, there was like a little lobby that you can go in if you're getting a, like a pickup order or something. And they had pictures. And my dad and his bunch of buddies from like the sixties actually had a picture up in there doing Aww. the exact same thing in the exact same restaurant. You know, like mm-hmm. it was just Jerry's curb service and, and places like that are always cool. I'm here in Wisconsin. We have a place called Artie and Ed's. There's another place called Leon's and they're very similar. And I, I just love that these places exist because they are, they're literally appear back to like, this is the stuff that like our parents did. This is like how they hung out. This is the, this is the way they went on dates. Like they went to these types of places and it's really important to exist for, for American history. Because I think that's somewhat unique. I mean, like, if you go to Europe, like, I have family in Italy. And, like, if you talk about, like, hey, are you geeked out about your car? Like, unless you have, like, a Ferrari or something, that doesn't exist. It's just like, yeah, whatever. It's just a tool to get me from point A to point B. And there were people here, and this film's a great example of it, that their car isn't just a car. It, it It's it's part of their sort of soul. And I think that's just super cool. And it's important that these sort of roadside Americana places these mom and pop places still exist because that that really they're they're almost like historical landmarks in my opinion. Well, that is a perfect transition to someone whose car is not just a way to get from point A to point B. <laughs> Let's talk about Milner and his buddy, Mister New Wave Glasses, is what I dubbed him. And then I know, I know in my heart that it is because they are standing next to these thirties Fords. Okay, I looked it up. Paul Lamott is not six feet tall. 
He's very close, but he's not quite six feet tall. I know they are not that tall. <laughs> Doesn't this guy make you think of Tom Taylor? Like, don't you kind of assume that in the 80s as a teenager, this is what Tom Taylor looked like? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so tall next to that car, the way he yeah. like has to unfold to stand up, <laughs> that I just automatically was like, hey, wait a minute. And I'm really glad I made that connection because he's the person that I did the deep dive for. And I don't know who this is. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm furious. He is one of the people in the script. He is credited as guy. <laughs> unhelpful. His only line is alligator. So, I mean, like, it's fair. <laughs> but I went through. The only guy in the credits is man at bar, parentheses, guy, which doesn't seem to match. And that person is Del Close. And I looked at a picture of a young Del Close and I thought... Maybe. It could definitely be. So I started looking at what else has Del Close been in? Big improv guy. He was in San Francisco. He's definitely in the movie. Like, and then I realized, do you know what? If you're not improv, if you just grew up watching mainstream movies, you'll know Del Close from. He's the English teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when Sloan is in the boring English class. And he's on the chalk on the board and the nurse is walking down the hallway and it's intercutting with that. Oh my gosh. Not that long after this movie. And there's no way that, that the person at John Milner's car and the English teacher (laughs) in Ferris Bueller, like (laughs) can't be the same person, right? Please tell me. Oh my god. Unless he had a really rough 14 years or something. (laughs) Exactly. What happened? (laughs) So I've got to imagine that at some point we are going to see a man in a bar who is slightly older. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know. Hollywood's rough, man. (laughs) I I just. And there are so many people who are just Hal, Bugs. Yeah. You know, Eddie. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I don't know. Some some of the pharaohs you get names for, but like <laughs> all these other rooms and they're all, you know, San Francisco improv comedy people that George Lucas picked up for the film. Right, so right. <laughs> it doesn't help you distinguish. <laughs> but yes, he has a Ford Model T not in black, which I thought was illegal. <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty rare. Henry Ford always said uh, any color as long as it's black. <laughs> Here we have Red. Yeah. John Milner sees a Studebaker. Did I write down what year it was? Of course not. That would have been too easy. <laughs> uh, John Milner takes off after a carload of girls. As <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> so how old do you think John Milner is supposed to be in this? Does it ever say? Because I got the, the impression that like he should have, he like didn't graduate, but he is a couple years older than the rest of the gang. Do you get that feeling too? So he is technically, officially 22. Okay. We actually debated this a lot last week, arguing that he should have overlapped in high school with this gang. Otherwise, why the heck is he hanging out with Kurt and Steve? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and he's not related to If he had even been a senior when they were freshmen, and maybe they all, you know... None of these guys look like football players. But you know what I mean? Like, right, right. There are certain people. I, I had people who were seniors when I was a freshman who I hung out with. Not that I was their best friend, but like you see them in a parking lot, you go talk to them. So fine. So I think this should have been tweaked ever 
so slightly so that they could have, (laughs) so that there's some reason for them to all hang out together. Even if he was like a year off, like a year older or something would have made sense, you know. He is introduced and it refers to him as Big John a couple times in this script, Uh which I'm so glad they did not make a thing of in the movie. Big John (laughs) Milner, 22, sits in his Ford, tough and indifferent, puffing on a camel. He wears a white t-shirt and a butch haircut molded on the sides into a ducktail. A cowboy in a deuce coupe, simple, sentimental, and cocksure of himself. That is definitely Milner. (laughs) (laughs) I love this interaction with the girl in the car. We can talk about her. I know this is like the end of it, but the way he's like, I'm as harmless as a baby kitten. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just... Just so damn cute. <laughs> love it. And I love, I, you know, I just love the whole, the whole shot of just like cruising up, trying to sort of start dialogue <laughs> with somebody in a car, which, which, yeah, think about that. Like that doesn't really happen today. You know, like when's the last time somebody just kind of cruised up on you and wanted to have a conversation, <laughs> you know, that that's awesome. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what are you doing? <laughs> I love this whole back and forth. I also love when she's like, do you, uh, Again, it's the inflections, guys, so I'm really sorry that I'm not doing it. Just when she's like, do you go to JC? And he's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) She's so, like, she's beaming, smiling at him. I love it. I I think we are enough of a close enough in age that I can ask this question and get a good, like, feel of, am I imagining this? Okay. Does she kind of remind you of Winnie Cooper? Yes, I've always oh, thought that I've, I have always thought that and you know I know it's impossible but I've always thought that also huge star crush on the girl that plays Winnie Cooper so <laughs> but but yeah like oh, yeah. like yeah I always thought that maybe that's why I always thought that but yeah yeah she definitely looks like her well listeners for indiana jones minute will know who tom taylor was i love that we just name drop other podcasters like <laughs> I do too. anyone who stumbled across this because they're interested in American graffiti, of course knows who we're talking about. Uh, Tom Taylor is the host of that show, and he talks on his show about how during the credits, when he's doing things one minute at a time and trying to fill the air, he looks for his family's name. So I thought he might enjoy knowing that this girl is Jodie Carlson. Interesting. So there's a family name connection there. And was in this and like telephone operator in one other film in the 70s and that was it wow (laughs) which is ironic because according to the credits judy's sister or judy judy of judy's sister i assume question mark (laughs) is suzanne richardson's star of a of is enough (laughs) (laughs) that is wild it feels like it should be reversed like my assumption is that suzanne richardson is in this car (laughs) <laughs> but Jody Clarkson Carlson is the one talking to Paul Lamott. And and she went on to fame and drama, which is fascinating. Yeah, because especially the way he does that line, like, yeah, sure, her sister, her mother, whoever. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wonder who, I wonder if they say who plays Judy, because, you know, uh, George Lucas talks in the commentary, a lot of the extras were picked by like, oh, have you got a cool car that you can bring? Sure, you can be in our movie. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I just assumed Judy, the person driving, is the owner of that car. But I, I, eh? who knows what I've uncovered here? But yes, this little back and forth about Turlock. Is it Turlock or Sherlock? I, oh, I don't <laughs> know. Both. Yeah. But, you know, the high school and JC is junior college. 
just translating for people like me who worked at summer camp and were like, junior camp? No, 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 that can't be right. <laughs> and yes, the I'm as harmless as a baby kitten. Which <laughs> I'm glad because in the original like description, and I'm guessing it was just too much. It talks about like the girls kind of trying to like outrun him. And then he catches up to them and is like, oh. oh, come on, I'm harmless. Come on over. Who wants to go riding with me? And it's like, eh, that feels a little. Yeah. That feels a little ickier. <laughs> yeah. that You know, there's a fine line between uh, playful and odd. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm glad that, and, I, and I'm not, I know I'm not giving anything away in the movie here, but I'm glad at the end of the day when, when you kind of, you know, when the movie uh, plays itself out here that, you know, Milner's a stand-up guy. You know, he's. He, he was cool, and, and I'm glad that that's the way they went with it. Yes. He has one thing where it's like, you, that is awful to do to her, but- Yeah, yeah. I, she'll I, be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she'll be fine, and he was ba- he was calling her bluff. It's just, she doesn't know that. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> exa- yeah, exactly. Exactly. He know he knew nothing was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he was just trying to bring the evening to an end. Oh, and, yeah, You yeah. know, and, uh, but yeah, I'm glad it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, it worked out well and I don't have to cover that scene, so what do I care? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is the scene where Tierney falls in love with John Miller. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hanging out with guys like, come on! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's supposed to be a combination of every cool kid you've ever met plus James Dean. Uh, it's like, I think what what he's supposed to be. <laughs> well, I will say uh, James Dean was not my go-to, but someone who for the next generation was that go-to, this man was almost Han Solo. Oh, no kidding. Worked with Lucas. Lucas liked him about the right age. Wow. And there are so many great behind-the-scenes stories of... Paul Lamott and Harrison Ford. Well, I mean, everyone was getting into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) They were doing night shoots for a month straight. (laughs) Things got weird. But Harrison and Paul were slightly older than everyone else. Uh, Not so much that it was weird and creepy that they were around, but like Harrison was a dad at this point. You know, Paul Lamott is the age of George Lucas, you know, of the director. (laughs) So like they felt like the grownups. Yeah. But yeah. but we're still getting into trouble. And actually, now with retrospect, we're not <laughs> at all at all. I love, love, love how much George Lucas refers to the cast as the kids yeah. in the commentary. And like now when he's doing the commentary, you know, he's gray. He's got the beard, the plaid, the whole nine yards. But you realize he was 28 when he made this movie and he's talking about the kids. Yeah. The kids causing him trouble and staying up too late. And it's like, oh, for God. <laughs> Well, it's amazing how just a few a few years at that age, when you're in your late mm-hmm. teens, early twenties, just a couple years is enough to be like, ah, I'm not hanging out with those people, you know? Yeah, into totally different stuff. Yeah, they're kids, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, apparently Lamont and Ford were the the two older. You know, Candy Clark and Cindy Williams, like, giggling about them sort of thing. But yes, he was on the shortlist for Han Solo. That is really wild. I didn't know it. That's That that's Lucas cool. had kind of in mind. So I, I like that. that he, I mean, it, it makes sense if you think of the Han Solo character and look at Bob Falfa and John Milner. Yeah, like, yeah. Of I've, course, both those actors would be at least considered. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it. Han Solo is... Milner just in outer space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what he is. <laughs> 
I went through to try and find out if he had a cool accent that I was picking up on from anywhere, but he was born in Jersey and grew up in San Diego. So huh. interesting. Yeah. Just just a random thing. And uh, things that made me wish I had checked because, you know, when you're preparing these podcasts, you read the script, you watch the movie with the commentary, you watch all the special features, you read the making <laughs> of, all that stuff. And then my thing is I always go through, I know it is not definitive. I verify anything I see elsewhere. Swear. But you go through the IMDb, you know, the trivia oh, yeah. and all that stuff. And I've tried to make it a habit and gotten better at clicking into the top level production crew and the cast because you never know what weird connections you're going to find. Spoiler alert for the listeners. Obviously, I didn't do this before recording last week's episodes because um, Paul Lamott was in Nam. Wow. Things that are right at the top of his bio that I did not know when we were talking about, like, what a crucial factor that is in this film. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's really wild. I never knew that. I think we brought up, like, the boxing background and the basic stuff like that. But yes, he did a tour of... I mean, he was born in 45. So... (laughs) That's... Wow. That's quite something to come back to to do. I mean... You know, it's so funny. I, I Just yesterday, I was researching something else about the TV show MASH, and literally, like, almost all of the cast of MASH were, were actually military veterans. Never knew that. Like, you know, it's like, well, of course, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> you know, but yep. but thought that was, I just thought that was kind of, you know, geeked them. Sorry, we shouldn't be carrying MASH over to here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it was culturally important for so long in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and and for those who haven't rushed to Google it yet, Navy. Oh, interesting. Because I know I know we have listeners that have served, and I'm sure they're wondering, like, oh, come on, you know, yeah, like, come on, be a marine, be a marine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Navy. <laughs> <laughs> now, the museum guy in me has to call this out, yes. um, and I'm happy that to, to say it. I don't know if it's been covered in any of the other minutes, but the cars, uh, the main star cars actually all still survive. Please talk about this. <laughs> yes. The 32 Coupe, uh, Milner's 32 Coupe, the original uh, Impala, and the 55 Chevy all still exist and have been, thankfully, either preserved in the condition they were in the movie or have been restored lovingly. Uh, but they're on the car show circuit. Like, they actually show up in different... You know, when your town has, like, a custom car, like, the big custom car show, like, in Detroit or, you know, wherever, where it's at the convention center indoors, keep an eye out because they actually tour those circuits and sometimes those cars will show up there. Uh, I was beyond geeked out to see the, the original Milner 32 Coupe that was... I mean, it was, you know, it, it was just... I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was like seeing John Wayne in person, <laughs> you know? Aww. But yeah, so... I don't know about the white 32, or I'm sorry, the white 57 T-Bird. It has to survive. That car was so famous just from that clip. Oh, did it? It has to have. I mean, I... It was in private hands. I I I would imagine. it still is, but not the... Sorry, they're all like swimming together in my head. (laughs) And the one thing that drives me insane is, I've mentioned the Internet Movie Database. There's the Internet Movie Car Database, which is a great source of information unless your movie takes place at night. Oh, yeah. Can I just tell you what an... Oh, cut this out. What an effing nightmare it is. Because <laughs> you're looking... And there's multiple cars in most photos. So you have to like process of elimination to see which one they're talking about. Oh, I got a fun 50... I have a fun T-Bird fact for you. All right. Let's hear it. So the car was actually originally red and they mm. painted it white for the movie. Oh. 
That's really super interesting. So I wonder if that was like movie paint or if they actually painted the car. Maybe that's why the owner wanted to stay near. He had to reestablish the bond. Yeah. And because I think it was because it was going to be a night shot and the red wouldn't stand out so great. So they had it painted white. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll mention using white to stand out actually in tomorrow's episode. Interesting. And it does still survive, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So from vehicular John Wayne to Frankie (laughs) Lyman, let's quickly talk about this song, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Oh, it's great. (laughs) 1956. Technically, uh, so I wrote down Frankie Lyman. It is technically Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. Five boys, boy band, original, uh, like I said, 1956 song. There is, well, Obviously, there's controversy. We're not going to get too deep into it, but uh, there's specific to this song. (laughs) There is a (laughs) lot of back and forth on the writing credit. And this was right around the time that they had been the premieres. Then they became the teenagers. Then they were the teenagers featuring Frankie Lyman. Then they're Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. Now Frankie Lyman singing along to a tape and people are PO'd. <laughs> um, so this is a 56 song. And I, they shortly, did I read that they broke up in 57 or did it just... Oh, yes. Broke up while on tour in Europe in early 57. Wow. So it is a classic case of the big success becoming a problem with the lead singer. And for I, (laughs) I am very shorthanding this. (laughs) Frankie Lyman did continue to record and perform and do heroin. (laughs) And at one point he was arrested for possession. It had to have been possession. And instead of jail time, he was drafted into the army. And supposedly from the army for the next three years, he was clean, but then um, died of a heroin overdose. Oh. Supposedly it was that he had just like re-signed with someone. Where is it? Um, A major promotion had just been arranged and he was celebrating his good fortune and his big break, getting back into the game and that um, backfired. <laughs> wow. I think we can say the movie, the 1998 movie, Why Do Fools Fall in Love is about Frankie Lyman's real life because he married, question mark, three women during his life and never divorced any of them. Oh, wow. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, I've just said in like two sentences, but you can probably fill in that things weren't going great for Frankie Lyman when he passed. You know, um, there there were issues with rights. Music was tied up. However, in 1981, Diana Ross did a cover of Why Do Fools Fall in Love that charted and made a bucket load of money. And all of a sudden... Frankie Lyman has three widows saying that they are the heirs to the estate, including the royalties from this. (laughs) Oh, no. So that's why (laughs) it was important that there was a lot of back and forth on whose names went on there. (laughs) Also, one of the original person's names who was on there died. His estate passed to a mobster, like legit, just (laughs) mobster. And so it was like, why is this person getting money? (laughs) (laughs) So it is 
fascinating. Now, I'm sure the movie is heavily fictionalized, but it was also on TV a lot when I was like, (laughs) I saw it many times and Vivica Fox and Halle Berry are both in it. So (laughs) I had to watch it every time it came on. (laughs) The other cover that stood out to me is the Beach Boys cover in 1964. And I'm mentioning that because... Later in this movie, we're going to hear songs that I am like, yeah, that's a Beach Boys song. And then I'm looking at the credits and I'm like, but but not this one. Oh, <laughs> and so it just was funny to my brain, like to have it go the other way where I'm like, yeah, why do fools fall in love? Frankie Lyman, everyone knows that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, there was that Beach Boys one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't listen to that surfer crap. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of my favorite lines Okay, John Draper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, John Miller, <laughs> and then there's a Mad Men episode yeah. where Don Draper goes out to the coast, right, as it's kicking off, yeah. and he makes fun of dancing to this stuff. Oh, by the way, I just want to go back and correct. The car wasn't painted white for the movie. Okay. It's a 56 T-Bird. It was it was red. They painted it white shortly before moving to California. The Daly family, they still own it. His wife used to go into town to get something one day. She came out. There's a note on the car asking if they were interested in selling it or if they could use it. And that note was for it to be in the movie. So, yeah. So it was already white. They still they still drive it. It has uh, 300,000 miles on it. And uh, it, they still use it as their fun car. So, <laughs> sorry. I just want to go back and correct it. I didn't want that to be incorrect. But they painted it for the movie. But Thank it, you for doing that. Yeah, I will yeah. do some editing magic. <laughs> Um, well, and my last note about the song Why Do Fools Fall in Love is that on its Wikipedia entry, it lists the wrong scene in the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> it says it's used when Terry meets Debbie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's one of those things like I was reading it and I'm like, no, that's not right. That's Del Shannon's and Runaway, even, right? Uh, no, uh, Almost Grown. Okay, okay. Uh, Chuck Berry. Okay. But yeah, I was like, even though I had just watched this scene, I had to go back and be like, no, yeah. no, that's just wrong information. <laughs> so this is why kids, I don't know why any kids would be listening to this, but if you're young enough for me to need to tell you, <laughs> confirm. <laughs> yeah. It's fine to learn things from the internet. Confirm them with multiple sources. It's so funny you talk about that because just today... We found, uh, I won't name them, but they are a very well-respected organization that has historic airplanes. And they had the wrong stats on their website because we were trying to to plot something out. And we're like, how did they get, you know, why is it off by a couple feet? And it was because they had used, like, Wikipedia. And Mm. and Wikipedia was wrong, and we're like... Oh, they somebody Wikipedia this. <laughs> so yeah, that that's how they got the wrong measurement on the on the airplane. <laughs> you ran over with a tape measure. Um, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that is a beautiful excuse to transition to letting you plug things if you'd like, unless you had anything else that you wanted to say. I feel I feel that usually I drag you on for many more episodes. No, no. Than that's why even before here, I'm like, how many are we doing tonight? You were like, one, I won. This is like, a, this is easy. I know, Chris. That's why I did it this uh, I know. This is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> it's almost like on my seventh podcast, I have figured out yeah. how to like, like, oh. do a good recording schedule. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just want to say thank you. I, I always enjoy coming on here. Uh, I always enjoy hanging out with you and doing in a different minute by, uh, or movie by minute. You know, I guess the one thing I'd, I'd like to plug is you know, we all know where these mom and pop places are, uh, whether it's like a cool place to eat, a cool place to shop. With everything going on right now, a lot of these places are kind of hurting. You know, if you can go help 
go shop at those places because you, you might be able to help make sure that that place is around for other future generations to go and enjoy. So go to the local car hop, go to the small mom and pop pizza joint or, you know, the brick and mortar store or something like that. Yeah. You know, and try, try and help those folks out because we don't want to lose this. This is, like I said, roadside Americana is so important to me. I love it. Uh, and stores and, and, and car hops and, and, you know, root beer stands that still exist. That's, that's all part of it. So whatever you can do to help, uh, you know, try and, try and visit them whenever you can. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, folks, if you are enjoying deep diving into a movie and you have even the tiniest iota of interest in the 1960s space race, I cannot highly recommend enough that you check out Apollo 13 Minute, where actual astronauts talk to you guys. <laughs> we we did. We had we were very fortunate to hang out with some astronauts and uh, it's a good time. And astronauts, I'm going to let you on a secret, they all love these cars too. <laughs> they- oh. Oh, yeah. They had your Corvettes and your muscle cars and everything else. So You had astronauts and we had someone who made a connection with someone through a window in a car. So yeah. there you go. There you are. <laughs> you're, you're our astronaut. <laughs> That's well, hysterical. Thank you. thank you so much for coming on. This is an absolute blast. Same here. Same here. I loved it. Anytime. I'm always happy to do it. He's really fast, isn't he?